What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Monday Morning Booze. I'm your host, Christian Hansen. This week's guest is Quinn Sullivan. It finally happened. It took over almost a year to get him, but it happened, and it was great. Uh, I talked to him about two and a half weeks ago. It was amazing. We talked about his songwriting, uh, you know, the influences that Buddy Guy, uh, Carlos Santana, Eric Clapton, and so much more have had on him, uh, the experiences of playing with John Mayer, Derek Trucks, Buddy Guy, Eric Clapton at uh, the Crossroads Festival at Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, being on Ellen at such a young age. I mean, growing up in the spotlight at such a young age uh, can result in either two things. It can result in a big ego or a humble human. And humble human was the choice uh, for Quinn, and I think that speaks volume to the parenting that the Sullivans have done. So kudos to them. Uh, he's a great kid, a great person, and an incredible musician. And I had so much fun talking to him. It was almost an hour long, and it was amazing. Uh, he's got some new music coming out soon as well. He does have a single out right now called All Around the World. That's the first single off of his upcoming album called Wide Awake, out everywhere soon. We will keep you posted on all that information as it comes out to the public because you are not going to want to miss this record. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be the follow-up record from Midnight Highway, which came out in 2017. And that record was phenomenal. If you have not checked it out, be sure to do it. I will include the links in the description and on our website, as always, so you can find all of his music. But I'm pretty sure you know who he is already. So no need to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway because, hey, we always get new listeners and it's good to spread the blues and spread music like Quinn's. So without further ado, this is my conversation with the amazing Quinn Sullivan. Enjoy. Alrighty, man. Well, uh, first and foremost, thanks for uh, giving me an opportunity today. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for having me. It's great to great to be on here. First off, it's really hard to avoid the fact of a pandemic and musicians being affected massively. Past calendar year, yeah. can you believe we're almost a full calendar year from the shutdown? What has it been like mentally for you as a musician? Oh man, mentally for me, it's been, well, now the first few months was, were actually not too bad. I got to get a little bit of time off the road and mm. I had just finished an album that is coming out at some time this year. So, right. um, I was kind of not really in touring mode, you know? So it was sort of, uh, it was kind of nice to have three months to kind of, uh, reset a little bit sure. but as, as the pandemic began to roll out more and we it began to get more serious mm. um it definitely became more of a reality and like oh my gosh like we we may be in this for a long time this right is, you know sort of panicking you know like when are we going to do a show again so yeah i'm definitely um right now you know especially over the last couple of months i've just been um you know really itching itching like every like all musicians right. itching to get back out there so um you know so yeah it's definitely it's been for me this year and 2020 and, and um, probably 2021 too, it's just, mm. um, it's a huge, it's a huge adjustment sure. you know, because we're so used to being out on the road and so used to like playing and being around people. And, mm. you know, this is what this industry is all about. It's about connecting with people right. on a stage. And, um, sadly we can't do that right now. So yeah, it's definitely been a, a an adjustment, but 
um, you know, we're, we're just trying to trying to stay positive as best as we can right now. Sure. And trying to you know make some make some music and uh, figure out other ways to to get to get out there. Right. You know. I mean, that's all you can do. Unfortunately, yeah. it's just gotta just a waiting game. You actually got a new single out all oh, all around the world out on Provogue uh, Records. Talk a little bit about the single and how that came to be. So yeah, um, I, I did. I so I did the entire album in Los Angeles, California, oh, wow. with a producer named Oliver Lieber. Okay, um, is a very great, great songwriter and, and amazing producer, and uh, he's worked with a ton of ton of people. I think he's worked with um, Beth Hart, and oh, he's wow. worked with uh, some other other really cool people. He's got a he's got a lot of he's got a lot of great friends too. You know that he's that he's worked with and stuff. He had Jeff Beck in his studio oh, wow. a few years ago, and yeah, he's he's a really cool guy, and and that came about in early 2018. I actually went there to just write a song and, and just do a writing session with him, and it turned into uh, over time after kind of going back and forth, it turned into us realizing like this is really cool. Let's right. make an album together. So we began tracking the record in in uh, say like d- uh, December January of, of 2019. Oh, wow. 2019. So. Yeah, it was about a year ago. So, um, but this song uh, came about. It was just one of the writing sessions, one of the many writing sessions we were doing, and he had this guitar loop that he was was playing around with in the studio. And I remember walking in and just kind of going, "What is that? Like, what what is what?" It sounded so cool right. and so uh, inspiring. And I sat down with the guitar and we began. Uh, coming up with the rest of the song and and it just turned in it snowballed into us writing a song about um and we also were having a lot of discussions about how the you know how the world was changing and what sure. was happening at the time and 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 this was also pre-covid and pre-pandemic so this, none of that had come into play yet so we we were kind of just writing based on the current situation of the world and we ended up finding out that the song had a lot more relevance than it even than it ever did uh right. now and because it's so because it, it it's so it's so much about uh having uh you know having a dream and and you know just seeing the world in the way that almost like i want to see it right in some ways like a world of just peace and everybody's getting along and clearly that's not that's obviously not what's happening right now but um <laughs> but yeah it's just it's sort of just a it's it's, it's kind of a mystical dream about a guy that uh, that that pictures this world to be so great and and you know all of that so yeah it, it definitely uh for me it, it because we had written a ton of songs and we were trying to pick singles and stuff i was like you know this makes the most sense right now i mean sure. this wasn't my this wouldn't have been my first single choice if this hadn't happened but, but it makes sense because this was yeah because it because it happened and because we're in this in this world right now and we're living in uh it just was like we need to get this out there it's we need i want to send this message out to people so it just felt right as as being the first single yeah absolutely and i i take it it is kind of hard too trying to release music at the same time because you're like do i want to release it now do i want to release it closer to when we can start playing shows again so i can use that as press and use that as like a um, you know, a promo to get people out to the show. Yeah. It's hard to do that with no real schedule of playing shows again. So had to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no real schedule. There's no, uh, nobody yeah, knows. I'm, I'm a ske- yeah. I'm a schedule guy. I love, I love right. having like a routine and, and, you know, I'm, I'm very into that. So the fact that there isn't, um, 
you know, and, and we did wait a while too. It's funny. We, we waited and, um, and when, you know, New Year's day came and we started me and my record company and my team started talking about, uh, how, how we want to get this out there. Mm. We kind of all just shrugged our shoulders and said, well, we, you know, we gotta, we gotta start putting out stuff right. now and at least getting the ball rolling online and on social media. Sure. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I was just like, I can't, I can't wait any longer. We just gotta, we just gotta put out music now, you know? So, uh, you know, cause I've been sitting on this music for a good year and a half. So oh, wow. it was really, yeah, it was really uh time to <laughs> time to strap in and, you know, start putting some stuff out because, uh, you know, the more you wait, the more you don't know what's going to happen anyway. So, yeah, we just were like, oh, let's just let's just go through it with it. And, you know, I see other artists are releasing some stuff. And I think people need music right now, too, you sure. know, especially with everything happening. So, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, obviously, I think all of us now have uh, the time to realize and appreciate how much or how important music is to us. Because imagine going through a whole pandemic with no music. I don't think it'd be uh, possible. Yeah. So I think the appreciation for live music and arts is at an all-time high. So when it does come time to reopen, I think it's going to be better than ever. So only time will tell. That's all. We yeah, just got to wait. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, as monumental of, uh, of a moment uh, you had when you were younger at uh, six or seven years old. I don't want to talk about this at length because you've told the story a billion times about Buddy Guy bringing you up on stage. But for those listeners who may have not come across you before listening to this, briefly touch on that, how that came to be for them, if you can. Sure, yeah. Um, well, I first met, met Buddy Guy at a theater in my hometown of New Bedford, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And this was April of 2007. Right. And he came he came and played and I, I remember um being first introduced to Buddy on Eric Clapton's Crossroads Guitar Festival mm -hmm. uh, in two thousand four. I remember my my dad had got it for me and, and we were watching it and Buddy came out and played and I was just completely mesmerized uh by everything that he was playing and, and just his uh just his, his self confidence that he had on stage right. just the way he presented himself and he was just so cool in my opinion he was just like the man mm -hmm. so um we've i've been just immediately just became a fan and you know being a young kid i just was obsessed with guitar and and just uh all things guitar you know so uh when he when he, we found out he was coming to play i was i was just like oh we gotta go see him right so we found our way uh, um to the theater and and we got tickets and um, we knew a couple of people at the theater, so they, they got us backstage and to, to meet him. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just so cool. We walked backstage and, um, he, there he was. And, and I, I, you know, we met and he was so nice to me. And I remember him just being so gracious and so welcoming and, uh, just, yeah, just so nice. And, and really, uh, just opened his kind of basically just opened himself, opened his arms up to me sure, and yeah. just really was nice. And, gave me a lot of his time and um this was before the show too so he hadn't even played yet right. and so he he um he asked me to play i had my little squire fender stratocaster with me and he had me he had me play a little bit for him and kind of to see probably gauge what i could do what i right. couldn't do and uh i was eight years old so i was i was just a little kid and sure uh and yeah and he apparently dug it and and called me out on stage that night and we played for, I, I played the last half an hour of the show. He brought me out and we ended 
and and he walked off and I was playing with the band and it was just this really uh, incredible experience. And that just snowballed into me going to see him every time he'd, he'd come to Massachusetts to play. Me and my dad would go see him and he'd always bring me out and be so gracious. And, right. uh, and then that snowballed into to me eventually opening for him and, and developing a, a very, very unique relationship with him and, and, you know, him bringing me out on tours and, and right. you know, all around the world, really. I mean, it's really been truly, truly was the, was the coolest, most, uh, you know, as far as having a, uh, uh, you know, like, um, like a, almost like a college experience in some ways, right. because it's like, you know, our school, you know, any, any sort of school experience, um, it's just such an education sure. and it was just uh, a big part of, of my career and my life. And so, yeah, those 10, those 10 years were, were unbelievable. Yeah. Right. And now obviously that's a huge moment. He helped big time, but that, that opportunity doesn't yeah. happen without the support at the home front and the introduction to music and a catalog as diverse as you had growing up. Talk a little bit mm-hmm. about the type of music that you grew up at home and were both parents. Was the catalog of music the same or did they differ? And how did that blend together? And how did you hone the combination and develop your taste? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, my parents had a had a bunch of music going in the house when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. They had uh, the Beatles, which I became very, very heavily obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had the Rolling Stones, and they, they, you know, a lot of the older rock, the classic rock stuff. Right. You know, they had, you know, Stones, and and then the Almond Brothers band played a huge role, and the Grateful Dead, a lot of the jam bands they were listening to at that time. Uh, both my parents are very much, uh, you know hippies in the, <laughs> in the sense of just listen, listening to just really great music so right. I, I just had the uh the best uh upbringing musically and personally too but but really uh truly musically uh them just exposing me to all that stuff and and you know so i was very lucky in that sense to have the background musically uh from a young kid because now it's funny i talk to kids now and, and there's really not a lot of you know you meet them you meet them kind of uh, far in between but uh, right you don't really see a lot of kids that, that are listening to the same music that I grew up listening to. Sure. And, um, and I think that just comes from, like you were saying, it just comes from exposure at a young age and, and being, being in, you know, being exposed to it from three years old on, you know, and, and that's, that's, that was my case. I'm very, very always, always lucky about that. And, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it definitely formed my influence because I was listening to stuff like that but then I would discover stuff on my own sure. as the years went on, you know, especially after I met Buddy, um, you know, because then I'd check guys out that, that came before Buddy because mm-hmm. then once I was involved with Buddy and playing a lot with him, I, I you know, become obsessed with blues and, and soul and all of that stuff. So I was listening to, you know, deep cuts of like B.B. King and then eventually getting into Albert King and Freddie right. King and then all of the people that came before them and, so, you know, I was listening to a lot of that stuff and cause buddy would tell these stories on the road all the time. It would be like going into like a history class right. and he would just spread off these, uh, you know, spread off these stories about like John Lee Hooker and, and Holland Wolf and Muddy Waters and you know all these legendary people. And, and so it would just make me want to check something out. You know, we'd be having dinner one night and he'd tell a story and I'd be like, well, I'm just gonna, I gotta go back and check this out. Right. I gotta, I gotta hear, I gotta hear what he's talking about. Cause I, 
I, I really was not uh, totally a, a blues aficionado at all. You know, not, not, not like I, not like I've kind of am now, right. you know, cause when I, when I was a kid, I was just getting into that stuff. So, um, it took me a while to really get into it, but, um, but you know, my taste over the years has changed, you know, because sure. yeah. I love all, I love all that stuff and, and value it and appreciate it. But then I love, you know, newer music. I love, you know, a lot of the singer songwriter music too, that, that comes out like John Mayer and, oh, I love and Ed Sheeran and Ed Sheeran and, and, you know, um, you know, even like, you know, a lot of like other stuff too. Like I love Marcus King a lot. I think James he's Bay. Incredible. James Bay is incredible. Yeah. 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 James Bay and Hosier and, you know, a lot of, um, great singer songwriters, Ray LaMontagne. I love too. And, um, and then also I'm into like Tame Impala. I'm oh, into yeah. like a lot of the indie music, like, um, Arctic Monkeys and, um, you know, I listen to Harry Styles too. You know, I really, I really <laughs> listen to everything. I really truly listen to everything. Um, and it just, it just, to me, it's, that's, that's just the beauty of music. You know, there's, you know, you know, I, I feel like someone once said like, there's good music and there's bad music, sure. you know? So it's, it's like, I just, I love listening to some, some, you know, stuff that makes me feel, feel good and feel something. So, right. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And you kind of touched on a good point there. Um, as a musician yourself, who's kind of hit all areas of genres and, and styles of music, um, do you ever fear or have you ever fallen into the trap of, categorization and the mental um kind of fear of falling into a certain category and being labeled that and trying to shake yourself out of that category and branding yourself as just a musician with so many different influences we saw that with being john mayer on room for squares he freaked out panicked came out with the trio to let everyone know that hey i'm not the acoustic pop guy and i'm not going to be that my whole life i'm a blues through and through at what point in your career did you have a moment where you're like whoa 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 what am i and how do i brand and yeah. uh, put put myself out there in a way that doesn't categorize and pigeonhole myself for the rest of my career and how'd you overcome that it's a great question um well you know i think i'm always that's always been kind of a struggle for me sure and um because being on the road with, with such an incredible guy like Buddy is, mm-hmm. is, is just a learning experience and, and an education like no other. Right. And nothing can, re- nothing can replace that. Um, but somewhere along the line, I think, you know, when you're doing that all the time, people are coming up with their own opinions on you and, and what you are. And, and you, you, you kind of have to, for a while, you have to accept it because that's right. all you can do. And you can't really fight it because people are just going to, think of you as they think of you can't really form people other people's opinions on on you you know what i mean so for me it's like somewhere along the line of that i I kind of went okay like what am i what do i want to be what do i want to be known for and at that time i was getting a lot into songwriting and becoming more and I, i felt like i i was developing my voice as a songwriter way more and it was becoming more than just the guitar for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to really uh, sit down and think about this for a second because what do I, you know, cause I'm so, you know, the thing about it too, is I've, I've been, I've been around this since I was nine years old. Yeah. I've been, I've been, you know, I've been at this my whole life and, and it's really, you know, it's, it's a, it's sometimes you think about it too much. It, it's kind of like, you know, you have a lot of like, holy shit moments right, because of course. it's like, wow, this is, this is like, crazy that this has all been happening um at 
at such a, but you know, at the same time, it's such a nice pace too. It has never, sure. nothing for me has ever been an overnight success or overnight. It's, that's it's a good all thing. been, yeah, it's an incredible thing because you see so many people that get so wrapped up in the overnight success and they fall into a lot of the things that you don't want to be falling into as an artist and a musician and in, in the entertainment world that you can easily fall into stuff like that yeah. from being around the wrong people and all of that stuff. So um, I've been fortunate enough to be around very, very incredible people. But anyways, um, you know, yeah, like I said, along the lines, I, I just went, you know, I don't want to be known for, you know, uh, just to be like a blues guitar player because sure. that's really not what I am. I love the blues and I, I think the blues will always hold a special place in my heart. Right. And, but I think that's not really what I am truly. And it's, it, I've realized that. And, and through this new music that I've been writing and, and, you know, that the stuff that is about to come out this year, you know, it showcases that it showcases like, no, he's not the, the blues guitar savior kid. Right. You know, he's the art. He's the singer songwriter, guitar, guitar player too. But, mm -hmm. but singer songwriter is the, is the first, the first title i think because that that sort of can make it so you don't have to play one style of music right. you know i don't really consider myself to be uh you know to have a genre i i'm kind of genreless in a way because i'm really uh touching on many different genres right. always when i'm playing and i think we live in a society now where you don't really need to have a genre i think that was a lot more of a thing back in you know maybe 15 20 years ago that was more of a thing because people people were like you know you gotta have you gotta be this you gotta do that right but i think now the music that i listen to and the music that that seems to be popular it's they uh these artists seem to be taking a whole bunch of different avenues musically mm -hmm. like they seem to be mixing it all together so i, I for one just want to be doing that and just um you know just just being being able to always uh you know, never being, like I said, never having a lid on my head about like what I, what I can do and what I can't do. I always, I always kind of musically, I always want to be able to do whatever I want. You know? Absolutely. No, yeah. I totally get it. And what age was it for you personally that you kind of made that decision that this is something you want to do for long run career? Because I mean, obviously you're not mm -hmm. even 24 years old, right? You're young. I mean, I'm 21. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, 21. at what point did you make that decision? Yeah. Cause you've been in the spotlight your whole, I mean, your whole life. It's like LeBron James. He's been in it since he was high school. So it's like, at yep. what point did you personally make the decision that, Hey, I think I want to do this for mm -hmm. a thing. Like, did you have mm -hmm. a backup plan? Did you ever have any second thoughts about music or something else? Or was it always music? And when did that moment come for you? Well, no, I never had any second thoughts, which I'm very thankful for. I never had, I never was somebody that's, that was like, uh, Ooh, I really love this too. I want to do this too. I, right. It was really all music. Um, I went through a phase when I was a little kid. Uh, I wanted to be a, my cousin actually is a cop and, and <laughs> we used to, we used to, when I was a kid, he's seven years older than me, but when we were kids, we used to play cops and robbers at his house. Sure. And, uh, I, I had a, I had a, a fantasy before, before, before I really knew what being a cop entails. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was like five, six years old, I was like, ah, oh, this is fun. This you looks know? cool. But that yeah. was totally a phase. Yes. Totally a phase. Um, but the music thing always stuck and, and that's what I always came back to, whether sure. it was playing guitar, putting on a record, being in the car, singing along to an album or a song. It, my life, my life always, it always comes back to music. So I think when I was like, you know, when I, when I started to play shows and really started to uh, do that a lot, mm -hmm. I think that 
that became something where I think that's like the true, um, like kind of like the test, you know, like when when you go on, when you go on a really long run or a long tour, you you kind of, uh, it, it, it sort of teaches you what it really feels like to to go on the road. Cause people have a lot of misconceptions of what it really entails to, to be a, uh, you know, a touring musician. And that's what I really, I call myself a touring, touring musician more than, more than anything else. That's, that's exactly what I am. And, uh, and, you know, we're players and, and we, we, we tour and, uh, you know, it, it puts, uh, you know, it, it, it gives you a sense of like, okay, does this, can I, can I handle this? Or is right. this really not maybe a lifestyle that I want? Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I've been, I've been exhausted on tours. I've been tired and, and, you know, I've missed home before and all of these things, but I've never, ever once felt like this isn't the lifestyle for me though. I've always, it, all of that stuff goes away the hour and a half that you're on stage i think sure. I, I, I and that's just it's just the way i feel i've talked to other people too about that and they a lot of people say that too that have been touring for a while and i i haven't be, even been touring as, as long as some of the people that i love so much mm-hmm. and and they and uh, you know they've done it for years and years and years and i'm probably i'd say i'm on my 10th year of of being a professional touring musician so yeah. i've got a lot of time but um but yeah, I've I've never felt like I I wanted to like stop, stop you know, and right. do something else. I've always I've always been very heavily into it, and um, I've never lost inspiration. I've always I, you know of course there's days where you feel more inspired than others, but right. um, and obviously with this pandemic, it's been it's, it's been harder to, to to yeah, it's been harder to to be inspired, and especially when you're not around a bunch of people. Right. But um, but yeah, I think I think for me, it's always been something that throughout my whole life, I've just been into and really really inspired to to just do it and just be an artist and and make music and write and all of that stuff and collaborate i love collaborating with other people Mm -hmm. i think i think that's sometimes where the best music gets made when you're in a room with three or four incredibly talented people just all sharing your ideas and and you know that's that's my that's my favorite thing about this you know there's a lot of a lot of uh you know sucky things about the industry but Um, but the music and, and the, the intention behind it, um, if you, I feel like if you have good intentions behind what you're doing and you're doing it for all the right reasons, I think there's no, there's no reason why it's, it's not going to, to, you know, end up one day working right. out in your favor. Yeah, absolutely. So now, I mean, you were fairly young when your first song came out, I think it was sing, dance, clap your hands. It's kind of funny. And then around 10 ish or 11, <laughs> when summer of love came out and then 15, when first record came out. Um, first off, it's impressive, yeah. give, it's impressive given the age and the songwriting is something that I really want to touch on. How has that changed over the years, especially in the formative years? I mean, at that age, kids are still learning how to, you know, structure sentences and, um, you know, use English in the proper way that it's supposed to be used. You're writing songs and making music. What was, how has that songwriting process changed from the beginning up until now? Mm. Cause that that's really impressive to be able to put music and word together and, and make yeah. and make something at, at that youthful of an age. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I I you know when I was a kid doing it, I had a lot of help from a guy by the name of Tom Hambridge who who produced right. my yeah. first my first three albums. He's an incredible, also an incredible songwriter and producer. So mm-hmm. I I had a lot of help and and a lot of guidance from people like him and and other other people too, but him especially and um so. I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, a full songwriter at 12 years old. You right. know, I had a lot of help and a lot of these songs 
were written for me by by Tom and other people and he's great I'm super super thankful for yeah man he's the best and um so you know I didn't really truly find my voice in songwriting probably till I was about 18 or 19 okay I'd say those those were that those were the the years where life started to happen and things started to change and I, I began to experience things and that I was not experiencing at 12 and uh you know things things in your personal life that you just never would experience at 12. So, right. you know, whether that's relationships or anything, you know, all of the things that an 18 year old experiences. And, um, so that, you know, ultimately ended up inspiring me to, to pick up the pen and the paper and, and the guitar and mm-hmm. write because, you know, that, you know, like, like, like there's really not much, I mean, <laughs> there's not much wrong that can happen when you're 13, 12. Right. So, um, you know, writing songs and, you know, the unfortunate part and the fortunate and the unfortunate is that, uh, sometimes you have to go through a lot and, and experience life to really be able to, sure. uh, get something down that's honest and that's truthful to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it just, it just kind of happened naturally. I think for me, it just, it just became, uh, you know, it's not like one morning I woke up and was like, Oh, I'm a songwriter. Um, it was kind of like something where over time, as I kept doing it and as I kept practicing it more and more and being also being around different people, right. and different writers and meeting new people that that were, you know, songwriters um, that, you know, helped shape me into into the writer that I am now. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's something that I've, you know, like every day I have to I have to do it every day. It's something that it, it just comes to me. And if things come, then you just got to sit down and go with it and write it. and um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's an evolution, you know, sure. it's, it's, it's just keeps evolving. Yeah. Right. And you know, something I didn't know until today was the fact that you actually guested on, uh, one of the songs on uh, skin deep, that record down at Blackbird I studios. I didn't know that until today. I was, I was, uh, that caught me by surprise. What was that like, uh, being down at Blackbird studios, obviously the same studio that you did midnight highway at, um, which we'll get to next. But what was that like? I think it was nine years old. You're sitting there in the studio mm. guesting on a song that goes mm-hmm. on to be nominated for a Grammy. What was that experience like? Well, that experience, I'll start off by saying it was um, presented to me by Buddy. Right, and of course. He wanted me to play on it. And I was backstage in Providence, Rhode Island at the uh, Providence PPAC, Providence Performing Arts Center. And it was for the experience Hendrix tour okay. and buddy I was backstage hanging with buddy and, and he said, Hey, I want you to play on, on a song that me and my producer are working on. And I hadn't even met, I hadn't met Tom yet. Oh and, wow. Uh, yeah. This was like, I hadn't ever met him before. Um, and I just remember going, Oh my God, I'm going to be on a buddy guy album. Right. Holy, like, like this is, this, this is, is crazy. This is the, this is it. <laughs> I yeah. made it. Um, no, uh but yeah it was just it was a a crazy moment for me and just super like just wow you know and um that one in particular though i actually went to a studio a smaller studio outside of boston Cambridge, massachusetts to do that yeah i think i I believe buddy recorded the album at blackbird right okay but um but i overdubbed my guitar solo at a a smaller space gotcha uh, about an hour hour from me so yeah but that's where i met tom for the first time and that's where me and tom hit it off and um you know, I, I, we, we ended up sharing a lot of, uh, we had a lot of similarities. Uh, we had a lot of things in common from being big Beatles fans and loving that music. So, um, yeah, we just hit it off and, and, 
you know, obviously that snowballed into, into him working on my first album, but, um, but yeah, that, that experience was, was like no other, just, just being able to, you know, have your name be listed amongst people like Derek trucks and Susan Tedeschi and Eric right. Clapton and Robert Randolph, I think was on there too. Sure. And, yep. Um, yeah, a lot of cool people were, that's a, one of my favorite buddy albums. Absolutely. Be, so it's a great, really album. great album. Yeah. Yeah. So it's awesome. You keep mentioning yep. Tom. We actually had him on the show in the back. See that middle. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. He, cool. uh, he's, uh, He's the type of guy who you could just have a, he can have a conversation with just anybody on the street and he can write 10 songs just based on that conversation. It's, he's like a wizard with that. It's, uh, it's remarkable. Great. Yeah. It's good stuff. He really is. Yep. Yep. Now, Madison Square Garden 2013, take me through that experience because I know you've noted and you've mentioned at least three times with me talking to you about influences of John Mayer, Eric Clapton. Mm. Now you're you're up on that same that same platform with all those guys. What was that experience like being able to play at the garden first and foremost, but also the crossroads? Well, that was probably the highlight. It and that wasn't probably, it was the was, highlight yeah. of my career. Yeah, that that right there was just so amazing. Um and yeah, I mean we 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 walked in and you know uh, it's funny you mentioned John Mayer. That was the first the first uh, artist that I saw rehearsing there when I got to to MSG was was him. He was oh. he was actually he was rehearsing uh, Queen of California. Love that which, song. Um, which yeah yeah that whole record Born and Raised is so good. Mm -hmm. um, and that was during I think that was during that time when that album had just dropped. And uh, and yeah he was he was rocking with that. And that's where I met him for the first time. So he came off stage and a, a friend of mine that is also a friend of his introduced us and we just and he like had heard of me before he'd seen me oh, play wow, on youtube cool. so yeah so he was just like already saying that he had known about me so i was just uh completely uh blown, blown away. away but he would know who i was you know and uh yeah and i'm just being a huge fan of his and of his music and stuff so yeah it was just really cool and and i i just got to meet so many incredible people over those two days i mean i got to meet uh, one one person that comes to mind that really stands out to me is meeting Greg Allman for the first time. Oh yeah, and and I, that was a really unique experience too because he had just um, I had just walked off stage. It was the lineup was amazing. On the we played the first day mm -hmm. and we played right before the Allman Brothers band. So oh, wow. it was it was John Mayer and Keith Urban played, and then Buddy and myself and Robert Randolph played, and then wow. the Allman Brothers were playing. Jesus. And they headlined the first night, and Eric came out with the Almonds and did what his love got to be so sad it was just an incredible uh musical night you know and uh yeah and he i remember him sitting at his organ because the the way it worked was the stage revolved right like they set up an artist and a band behind like whoever was performing uh -huh. so the stage would just always keep going around and so it'd just be like quicker right and they uh and yeah the almond brothers were getting ready to play and i was standing i remember standing on like near the stage and just kind of watching them do their thing. And, mm. um, and I think Greg had seen me, he must've seen, he must've seen me play and he, and he came up and he got off his organ. He was sitting there ready to go. They had like <laughs> five minutes to go before they were going on. And, uh, yeah. And he just walked over to me and just shook my hand and just told me I was amazing. And he was really into what I was doing. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Just very, you know, that, that whole weekend, um, sort of a blur, you know, because sure. it was just 
so many things were happening and I was, you know, 13 years old being around all of these people. I, I felt like I, I didn't even belong there. Right. No, I get <laughs> because you. of all of, because of all of this, all of these heroes of mine that were playing, you know, I, I look up to these, these people in so many, so many ways. And, and, you know, just the fact that I was able to, to be there, uh, really because of buddy right. and, uh, really be exposed. And on top of that, being exposed to 20,000 people and sure. playing, playing a solo in front of Madison square garden. I mean, it's a pretty, uh, it's a feeling I really cannot it's a big describe deal. to you. Yeah. It's a very big deal. So, so yeah, that the whole weekend was great. And, and, uh, you know, another highlight from that was, uh, playing at the finale with everybody on stage right that's awesome so it was it was gary clark jr it was clapton it was it was doyle brim hall the second it was jimmy vaughn Derek trucks was there and me and buddy were there and it was just this amazing thing and and finale and everybody was on stage and um and i remember uh we finished and and eric was coming kind of across the stage and shaking everybody's hands uh-huh. and, you know whatever giving them hugs and came over to buddy and him and Buddy were talking for a second, and then Buddy kind of just pointed at me, and he, you know, the it's actually funny. It's on the end of the DVD when you're watching it. It's him walking over to me and just kind of giving me a little pat on the back, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, I'm I'm the biggest Eric Clapton fan ever. So that's awesome. Just, uh, really, to get his nod, you know, that night was was uh, validating something that I know that that I know that not a lot of people have been able to get. You know, he's. He's a, an exceptional guy. So absolutely, yeah. So it was just an uh, incredible honor, and and uh, I think about it sometimes. It's just being one of the one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Midnight Highway in 2017, uh, incredible record from start to finish. I love lifting off. It's my favorite song on the whole record. Uh, it's amazing, Thanks, man. especially live. That's the one Thank thing you. too. Is like there's records that you can listen to, they sound great, but then if you see them play that live. It's ten- mm-hmm. and that's one song that you play. It's like, it's just absolutely electric. It it's I think it's like Thank ten you. times. It takes that song to a whole different level live. Um, that was at Blackbird Studios. That was your first actual full studio experience, I believe. Yes. How did that? It was. How how did that go down? How how incredible was that? Given the fact still that I mean you have barely even entered into what you weren't even eighteen. No, I was um, 16. When we started that process, I was 16 and a half. Right. Yeah. So I hadn't even turned 17. Yeah. Um, that was a great experience. Um, I I got to go to Nashville and I had been to Nashville many times over right. the years for my other albums and stuff, but never, never went to like a big studio mm-hmm. to, to make an album. So, um, you know, being 16, 17, going into Blackbird Studios uh, were, were, was just so cool and, sure. and, and amazing. And just to be around... The, you know, I know how many records have been made there. Right. And I was right before I got there, I was, I remember going on their website and just seeing all of the albums that were, that have been made there and all of the people that have recorded there. So it's just completely blown away. And, and, uh, we got there and, um, there's a lot of great guys too, that are on that album. So right. Like, um, Reese, Reese Winans is playing yeah, keyboards and organ. Yeah. And, um, Rob McNelly, who's like probably by far one of my favorite, studio guitar players sure. not a lot of people know who he is unless you're uh, a musician but mm-hmm. he, he's really truly a talented guy and and uh, you know has played on everything i mean 
listen listen to any Nashville country album and he's probably on it. And he's just one of those hired guns that uh really cool. He's been on, he's toured with Bob Seeger and oh, wow. he's just a very, very cool guy. Um so he's on that album and uh, a couple of uh, Michael Rhodes is playing bass on a couple of he's a great bass player from Nashville. He plays with Joe Bottomasa now. Oh, wow. Um and then Tom of course was on drums. Sure. So yeah, it was just a really uh a great a great fun process and it was super quick and and we did it in about two weeks um really i flew there yeah the album was done in like two weeks yeah tom is very uh makes records very quickly and uh and for that and for that time it was it was really nice to be able to just get in and get out Mm -hmm. and do a and just get get music out there um because we were touring all the time and playing with buddy and doing shows like that so yeah it was it was really nice to just make make a record and have it be done and you know fully done in a couple months and just tore it up, you know, right. and do it. Absolutely. Now yeah. we've, we've talked about buddy several times, but there's someone else that's really, uh, I feel like is instrumental to the progression of you as a musician and as a person. And that's Carlos Santana. Talk a little bit about how, uh, instrumental he was until you're in to who you are as a person yeah. and a musician today. Carlos Santana is, is one of my favorite people and we've, we've become actually really good friends, uh, over the last couple of years. And, uh, he is somebody that is so cool and so generous and really there's no one, I can't really describe what he is. He's, he's, he's everything that you want to be as a person. I right. think he's, he's just, he's inspiring. One of the most inspiring guitar players i don't even call him a guitar player i call him i call him like a, a musician right like he's just he's he's so much more than just a guitarist he's he's because uh, he, there's not a lot of guys in my opinion and that can play with the with the intensity that he plays and, sure. and just be able to just you know really pretty much engage with anybody mm-hmm. whether you're a 10 year old kid or you're an 80 year old person right like he, he's just all ages like everybody can can connect with his music he's just so versatile in his playing and style um and i first met carlos he came to um mohegan sun he was playing oh, okay. on tour, and we got to um uh, me and my dad had gotten to go see him we got invited to the show we we um got in touch with his people um and got to go backstage and and hang out and i had no idea i was going to play with them and or even I mean, I didn't even know if I was going to meet him. I just wow. thought we were just going to go to the we were going to go to the show, and uh-huh. and we found ourselves backstage, and and um, I had never met him before, you know, because it's funny and and it's interesting because I had met so many of my heroes over the years. I've gotten to meet everybody, right? And he he was the one guy that I had not met yet, and had really? never been, had wow. never been around, and probably uh, the person that I was one of one of the most influential guitarists ever in my career. Like for me as an artist, he's one of the most like you know him and him and eric clapton and Derek trucks are, are the three the three guys that really influenced me as a guitar player um and uh so it's funny i hadn't met him yet and we walked in and you know i always compare him and buddy like him and buddy are so similar and so different in so many ways sure. and the differences are, are just natural you know they they have different upbringings and and <clears throat> different careers right um uh, you know, as far as being generous and being kind mm-hmm. and being so welcoming, I totally draw them as being so similar in that way. Sure. Because, you know, he was just the same way. Just um, he brought me into his world for a good like two hours. Like oh, wow. we, had, we just we hung out. Yeah, he he has this wicked cool 
um, setup in his, in his dressing room that is all um, decked out with like, you know, he's got like an amp that, that in like, he's got a TV and then he's got like his amp that plugs in. He's got a surround sound system that wow. he can just play along with stuff. He puts on his like iPod and he's got songs going and stuff. So just so cool. Super um, loose. A, super loose. Yeah. Very cool. And he had a, he had a guitar in the room and uh, he had never heard me play before. He'd never seen me play obviously. And uh, he started playing me this music uh this african music uh mm-hmm. that that he that he's very into he's also a a, a jazz freak too he's really right. into uh john coltrane and miles davis and um all of that stuff and uh yeah so he started playing me these really deep cuts of music that i really had never heard mm-hmm. heard before and he gave me his guitar and he just told me to just start playing along to it you know and just i think he was testing me a little bit you know in his in his own way not in a bad way but just right. like uh just in like oh let's see what this kid's got you know let's see let's see if he can handle let's see if he can handle this i'm not gonna put on Jimi hendrix you know i'm gonna put on (laughs) stuff that i'm stuff that i'm you know that only you know only i know about in some way you know what i mean i know a lot of people know about this stuff but you know just just like entering his world and so yeah i just started playing along to it and um you know he must have been impressed and uh he, he ended up like asking me to to come out with him and play the last like 20 minutes 30 minutes of his show Mm -hmm. and walked out on stage and we did um we did a michael jackson cover oh wow uh, the way you make me feel interesting yeah very Hmm. interesting that's actually on youtube and uh and yeah it was just like uh i i was on a cloud the whole night i can't really tell you how i felt it was just uh I had a lot of a lot of uh many many emotions going through my head and my my body you know uh, it was just a, it was kind of like an outer body experience kind of sounds cheesy, but it's true. Like he, it's just, you know, being on stage with, with somebody like that, uh, is truly an, an insane and insane thing for someone like me that was, was, uh, uh, you know, an obs- obsessed fan when I was a kid, just listening to all his records and being inspired by him. So, uh, you know, just be able to be on stage with him and right. play and, and, uh, share, share that moment with him was truly uh, ridiculously insane. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, you know, invited me to come out to Las Vegas oh, like wow. a year later and mm-hmm. play. He does a residency at the house of blues. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Vegas. He does. Yeah. So he invited me out to that and I played with him two nights in a row there. And that was, um, one of the best experiences of my life too. I mean, just uh you know just another one of those moments we got to hang out a bunch and got to go to his house and you know hang out with him and really brought me into his world and super uh respected you know super respect that of him to to just open me up into that world for for a couple of days uh truly is insane um and a standout moment from that weekend i got to play a song called maggot brain by a Hmm. band called funkadelic oh okay Um, which is uh yeah they have uh, it's actually uh the, that's the the record is called maggot brand is that what bootsy collins uh, he's in there right yeah i believe yeah, so yeah yeah. yeah 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 no he was definitely in with all that stuff mm-hmm. um yeah and you know it was just uh, it's on youtube too that one that one performance is on youtube and uh you know just yeah just these moments like that are just so so incredibly insane you know and and you you just take it you take it with the grain of salt, you know, you just you sure. can't think too much about it because then it becomes something more than than it really was. So you just have to 
you, you know, you, you, you just have to sit down and go, wow, that was insane. And I'll value that, but mm-hmm. I got to keep moving. I right. got to keep, I got to keep, keep going on my trajectory and, and, uh, you know, just, just trying to get better. Absolutely. Cause a lot of people would, a lot of people, you know, you think after a moment like that, okay, I can stop learning. I've right, done right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's so much more that I want to do and so much more that I, I aspire to do and, and be. So, um, so yeah, the, the learning never stops and, and the, and the, uh, the train keeps moving. Absolutely. Now, when you, since the pandemic, I'm sure you've had a lot of time to really think about all the opportunities you've had during this time. Yeah. Have you finally been able to grasp and, um, realize how blessed you have been over the years during mm-hmm. the pandemic? I feel a lot of people have found the moment of clarity and I've just been yeah. absolutely humbled about everything. Cause you guys usually are, you know, you're on the go. I mean, yeah, you may have mm-hmm. time here and there to think, but it's like you had the time now to really sit down and compartmentalize and just realize how blessed you were. How important is that for you to have that moment? Because there's a lot of guys who don't have those moments. And until you have that moment, I don't really think you realize what you've done or what you've accomplished. How important was that for you to to reconcile and, and realize what you've been able to do in life? Yeah. It's been a, it's been a year of reflecting for sure. I mean, they, you you brought a great point. Um, you know, a lot of us don't have that opportunity because we're always playing sure. and always doing. Yeah. Not even just being on the road, but just whatever whatever you're doing. I think I think I think honestly, I think everybody, whatever job you have or whatever you've you've you know whatever you do, right? Um, whether you're an actor, musician, or you work in a factory, or you know you just have a day job somewhere nine to five. I mean, any any of that, I feel like. Uh, you know, this pandemic has affected us all, mm-hmm. obviously in way di- different ways, you know, than, than other people. But um, I think in, 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 you know, it's, it's been the same in the sense that we've all had some time, I think, to, to really, um, you know, think about what's, what's really important and what really isn't that important. Sure. Um, and, and I think that's been a big thing for me is like really figuring out, okay, like what, what's, what, what's really important in life and what, what are the things that, you know, you can kind of live without and, right. and, you know, learn from, um, and it's been a year of learning and a year of, you know, realizing that there's, there's things that you can't control, right. you know, and there's things that you can't, uh, you just, yeah, you just can't control certain things that happen mm-hmm. and you have to roll with what you have to roll with. I mean, I've always been somebody that has rolled with things mm-hmm. semi well. I haven't really, um, although when I was a kid, um, you know, I didn't take, I didn't take the, the word no as, as best as I do now. You know, that's some, that's something that I've definitely grown up and sure. I realized that you, you do have to hear no sometimes. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, that's just normal stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's been a weird year. You know, I think everybody's in reflecting mode, you right. know, I think everybody's like, you know, wondering kind of what the next, what's the next thing and mm-hmm. what's, what's, what are people, what are, what are you doing next? And and in my case, um, I'm lucky enough where I've, I've have this, I've had this new album for a while. Like I said, I've had it for about a year Right. and I really, really am so proud of this album. It's, it's actually a, an album that, that I am most proud of as an artist. And it really, to me, showcases everything that I've been influenced by, but, but more than that, I think it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's who I am. And it really, you can, and when it, when it comes out, there's no release date yet, but when it does, when it does come out, um, it'll be out sometime this year. 
Sure. And you know, we're, we're just going to put out singles and, and, you know, really focus on, on getting these singles where they want to be. Um, and yeah, it's just the record that really, uh, it, it it's so, so, um, personal that, to me in a you lot identify of ways. with it the, the best that's the yeah, best music yes. that you put out that you say this is this is who i am it's a, it that's your exactly. brand this is the, this is your i'm quinn sullivan this is your identity in music yeah yeah in some ways it feels like my debut i mean it's not my debut right. but in some ways musically it does feel like that because um i think being so young and being in this you really don't have a lot of um you know, there's really not a lot of time to like figure out, well, what kind of are you? Sure, know, who yeah. am I and all that stuff? Like that, that just comes from, from years of doing it and right. then figuring out along the line, like we were talking about before, like figuring out who you want to be as an artist and really how, how do you want to, you know, what do you think of yourself as and what do you, what do you want people to think of you as? Right. Um, but, um, going back to the reflection, I think, um, with that new, with the new music, I've, I've been, I've been able to, um, almost like, you know, be able to just focus on that and, mm. and you know try try not to have any outside noise come in although right. it's hard but um but yeah it's been it's been a major focus of mine so if i didn't have a new album i probably would be would be telling you a lot of other things sure <laughs> it would probably be a lot of di- you know different things so i feel lucky in that sense that i've had i've had you know always kind of stuff to work on so good um but but yeah but you know definitely um you know because when you're finished with an album, the record company normally just wants it right away and they want right. to put it out. But with, with this with this uh, particular situation that we're in right now, um, it's a little different. they weren't, they weren't, yeah, very much so. And, and they weren't super, uh, they weren't like, we need this now. Right. Like, we need this now, now, now. It was like, let's, let's sit with it and let's, let's really think about what we want to be putting out here and, and the singles we want to be releasing and, you know, how we want to market this. So that's been nice, you know. And that uh, just goes back to, um, you know, the conversation of like thinking about the positives and sure. just thinking about positive things that are, that are coming out and the silver lining of, of all of it. You know, I think, I think one of the silver linings of it is like people are coming out with really good music and oh, people yeah, are of course. making, making really good music. Um, uh, my friend, uh, Eric Krasna, who's a oh, great yeah. guitar player, he's, um, he's in a band called Soul Live and, right. um, he also does a solo career and, he sent me his his new album that I think is gonna drop sometime this year too, awesome. and uh, and it's not out yet. But I listened to it and I'm like, man, like this this is so good. And and you know, that's the thing because like people are just putting out stuff that that maybe they wouldn't be putting out if they weren't right. You know, if they were touring, you know what I mean. Like I, t- touring can can definitely there can be a lot of great things about touring, but but it delays the time, the, like, the recordings and the singles and all that stuff. Yeah, I have a hard time focusing on like, you know, occasionally like you'll be at like a sound check or something at mm-hmm. a gig and you'll have like an idea for a song. But as far as sitting down to like write a song and get in a studio, um, it's it's sort of hard to do that sure. when you're when you're touring all the time. So this time has been really nice to just focus on Good. on recording, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So as we near an end here, I, I always like to do these strengths and weaknesses. Name one strength and one weakness of yours. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, well, I'll start. I'll start with the weakness. Um, that's usually uh, the easy one. Easy, get it out of the way, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I think my weakness probably. It's a good question. I got to think about that. Um, you know, uh, 
I'd like to think my weaknesses are are things that are are stuff that I that I'm working like always trying to strive to be better. Sure. And probably, uh, you know, I'm a, I, I guess my weakness would be like always thinking, probably thinking too much about the future, and right. thinking about where I'm going to be in ten years, and always like you know having that in the back of my head. So I I have a hard time sometimes staying in the present moment. Yeah. And that's probably something that I could get better on and and be more aware of like what's going on around me because mm-hmm. a lot of times i just get i get in in moods where i'm just always thinking oh god like right. what's gonna what's gonna be what's it gonna be in five years and where am i gonna be in my career and you you stress out and you get all you get all kind of crazy and stuff so um yeah that that would probably be my weakness sure um, is just is tr- uh you know trying to tr- trying hard to stay in the moment but it's hard to sometimes um and my strength would probably, I'd say my work ethic is definitely a strength of mine. Sure. You know, I, I've, um, I'm always, I always want to be working on something. I always want to be doing something. I, I really have a hard time like sitting down for too long and just yeah. relaxing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love doing that and everybody does, but, um, you know, after I, I really, um, it's hard for me to not pick up a guitar and, and some people are just like, yeah, I can put my guitar away for a month and come back to That's it. That's how Zappa is. He hasn't played all pandemic. I don't know how he does it. Oh, really? Yeah, I talked yeah. to him in okay. November and he, he said, yeah, I haven't really touched the guitar. I'm like, what? How do you not do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, some people work like that and it works for them. But yeah, for someone like me, I always have to be, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say like, I'm not like obsessed with it really. Right. Like I, I can put it down for a few days and like, a, you know, I could definitely put it down for a week, but. I could definitely not put it down for a month. That would, that would be yeah. too much. So I always have to be doing something. And um, so, yeah, that's my strength. I think in the sense that I always, always want to be uh, progressing right. you know, and always like listening to music, new music and checking new new stuff out that I haven't heard before and right. learning new things. I've been playing a lot of piano during oh, wow. quarantine. I've been trying to get into that a little bit. I bought, I bought a bass. So I've been nice. playing a lot of bass and, and, you know stuff like that it, it, ultimately it helps your songwriting and it helps it just helps ideas move mm-hmm. and it helps helps you come up with songs that you maybe not maybe wouldn't come up with on the guitar right you know so yeah i've just been i've just been doing a lot of that you know yeah awesome well quinn i, I appreciate you doing this man thank you so much for having me christian i appreciate it you yeah bet. you take care of yourself yeah awesome man you too have a good one thank you Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Quinn. If you like what you heard and you're new to the show, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify and iHeartRadio, and be sure to visit our website, themondaymorningblues.com. We will see you next time here on the Monday Morning Blues. Till then, stay safe and be well.